The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Hi, and good afternoon. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Leadership Matters. I'm Jenny Fruma, and I bring you greetings from Florida, West Palm Beach area, and I'm with Jewish Family and Children's Service, the Elbert Jewish Family and Children's Service, and with me today, co-hosting, is John Giannetta. Hi, John. Hi, Jenny. Welcome. Yes, glad to be here. And greetings from? Omaha, Nebraska, and Heartland Family Service. There you go. And we have a great guest with us this evening who actually has been a guest previously, Scott Greenberg. Scott, welcome. Thank you, uh, Jenny and John. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so happy to have you. And uh, Scott Greenberg is the President and CEO of Comfort Care Senior Services. And Scott, you've been in the community here working with us for quite a while. Um, you are, um, as I said, the President and CEO of Comfort Care Senior Services, which is a private duty home health care agency. And uh, we also know you through our work together with the state, Florida Statewide Guardianship Association, and you're incoming president next week. I am, so I'm resting up uh, <laughs> for what I hope will be a, not a tumultuous year. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I can't guarantee that, by the way, for you either. Um, and that's the president of the Palm Beach chapter, but you're also a member of that organization, Statewide Board of Directors. I'm so thrilled that you are here today to kind of talk with John and I about strategic partnerships, nonprofit and for-profit collaborations. Um, you representing, obviously, the for-profit world, if you will. And I know that you also have a lot of background from the corporate world, and I wonder if you would share a little bit with our listeners um, of those experiences, and then we're really going to start talking about partnerships. Yeah, I, well, I thank you um, uh, for the very nice introduction. I, um, you know, I do have a fairly uh, ex- extensive um, corporate background. Of course, when you live as long as I do, extensive is really just a matter of how many years you've been around. But um, we. Um, I spent 20 years as the president of a graphic design firm that specialized in annual reports. Prior to that, owned a business that was involved in the garment industry. And um, prior to that, um, a couple of other businesses. So, you know, I have 40 years in, in the corporate world. I also have, during those years, spent an enormous amount of time on various non-profit boards. So I've always, um, you know, been, uh, I think, uh, attuned to the necessity for for-profit and non-profit collaboration uh, to further um, 
both a business interest from a from a purely uh, capitalistic point of view, but also, you know, just as importantly or more importantly, to further the cause of of nonprofits that somebody can get their hands around and feel good about. Mm-hmm. And I've I've often heard that it's you know pretty unlikely for there to be partnerships between for-profit and non-profit or, or state agencies, for example. And in terms of, of partnerships and for your philosophy of partnerships, are, are those always contracts? No. I, um, I, I, I think that uh, well-meaning people who have um, similar mission, similar vision, um, um, who have sensitivity to whatever the agency involved is doing. Uh, I think um, that collaboration between uh, for-profit and not-for-profit enhances the success of both participants. Um, obviously, there's contrast, um, and obviously there are differences in approach, and um, all agendas aren't always aligned. The moons aren't always aligned exactly. But um, good people, well-intentioned, uh, with integrity and focus and design on, uh, on a mission can accomplish great things by bringing the skills that a for-profit executive can offer along with the skills that a non-profit executive offers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a business leader... Um, what do you look for in a nonprofit? Well, you know, I mentioned it just a second ago. I, I think most important, you know, there has to be integrity. Um, I think uh, there has to be um, a willingness to um, look uh, beyond the for-profit world as just somebody who wants to make money. I, I think in the in the not-for-profit arena. Um, in order for the collaboration to be uh, effective, there has to be an understanding that the for-profit participant um, is not a dirty word. It's uh, it, that they they can add real value besides just sitting on the board and writing checks. Um, their expertise, their knowledge, their reach, all of those things can be important. And for the for-profit executive, clearly one of the most important things, at least it is for me, is particularly if you've been even moderately successful at something, um, there is great um, joy in giving back. There's um, there's a great sense of accomplishment. I, I don't want to oversell the movie Pay It Forward, but it's kind of that thing. I mean, if you you need to be grounded. You need to understand um, that the world you live... You know, I, I talk about this a lot when I talk to for-profit people. The biggest mistake managers make, uh, I was taught this years and years ago, the biggest mistake that managers make is living in the land they think is happening as opposed to the land that is happening. So I think when you get involved in a nonprofit, regardless of what the cause is, it opens your eyes to the real world in a way that the people around you in a for-profit arena cannot tell you. Because if you're an executive in a for-profit business, the people around you are telling you what you want to hear. When you get invested in a nonprofit or not-for-profit organization, what you get to see is what's really happening in the real world on a daily basis, and it really can be eye-opening, very humbling, very grounding, 
but most importantly, very gratifying. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your thoughts and insight on that. John, any thoughts you have? Yes, Scott, I was just, um, you know, listening to you, and I was, I was wondering, um, when you are um, talking about collaborating with nonprofits, how do you then, um, because I know um, a, a lot of people working in nonprofit have only had experience working in the nonprofit sector, and so maybe it isn't so much that they see making profit as a dirty word, but maybe they just don't really have an understanding of how you operate differently within that kind of a model and how your decision-making is different. Is It needs to be a little bit different. Um, have you seen where that's caused a rub, and how do you work through that with people? Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody, you know, from the for, for-profit arena who's worked in nonprofits would honestly say that that has never come up. Of course it has. Um, but I think, um, you know, I, again, that, that goes to the, the building of trust, the, the building of, of, um, uh, mutual understanding of the angle. If, if, if you're in agreement about what the end result is and, and the for-profit person who has only lived in that world is, is interested in that end result and the for-profit world uh, participant is interested in that end result and if people go in willing to leave their egos aside, I think um, while it may take some time, you build a trust you realize that you both have the same end in mind, um, and if you begin, Stephen Covey, if you begin with the end in mind, um, you can't help but um, but bridge whatever uh, gap m- might be between the philosophy of how to get there. Um, now, if somebody's stubborn and just will, you know, just my way or the highway kind of thing, I think if you're not, if you're a for-profit uh, participant, you look for some place where you don't have that problem. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I think um, you take a little look at what Jenny does because I'm intimately familiar with her organization. Um, they thrive on the input from their collaborative efforts in the for-profit world to engage their employee, you know, their staff and and the and their users of their services, the recipients of their services, um, they draw on the best of the best to enhance the quality of the services delivered. Uh, you know, you can't be uh, a, a, in collaboration with uh, Alpha Jewish Family and Children's Services and not have a sense of um, mission. Uh, you know, I mean, I know their mission intimately. Um, you know, healing the world to Kona alone, but but you you can't be associated with that organization for any length of time and not feel the need to help them further that. Um, and and that isn't again. I would say that's not about writing a check or donating time. Although it can be. Yeah, and I I appreciate your question, John, because I think that when we first started working with with for-profit organizations such as Scott and some others that are locally in the community, it wasn't about what have you done for me lately, which I think is something that we hear a lot from the for-profit world is how is this going to help me in my business? And if it isn't, and I'm not going to get the referrals from you, then I, I have no time. 
I will not invest even my thoughts, my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it always tends to want to, or there's always this seduction of wanting it always to be about the bottom line for a for-profit business, which you can fully understand, being yeah, that they exist primarily to make money. I think, I, you know, I had this conversation. I'm actually in the midst of uh, of a conversation with another um, not-for-profit organization that I actually am contracted with. And, and what is hard to make some people understand sometimes is that it is in the best interest for a nonprofit organization for their for-profit collaborators to be successful. Because if you partner with best of breed in whatever category you're partnering with, if you want uh, best of breed providers or service providers for whatever it is that's there, the only way best of breed can be best of breed in the for-profit arena is to be profitable. So... It is not in a not-for-profit's best interest to resent or hinder the profitability of a for-profit collaborator with the not-for-profit. Now, they can't take advantage of that, but uh, you know the for-profit person can't take advantage of that. But it is in a not-profit's best interest for their for-profit collaborators to be successful at what they do, because only if they're successful can they deliver on their commitment back to the not-for-profit. And by the same token, because it has to be balanced here, the for-profit participant has to understand that it can't always be about bottom line. Um, the results in a for-profit organization are the result of doing everything right. If Jack Welsh, I think it was Jack Welsh once said, uh, or maybe it was Henry Ford, um, <laughs> somebody said, um, if, uh, if you do everything right and, and, and you struggle for perfection, the only problem you will have with profits is is that they will be too big. Mm-hmm. So you have to, I, th- I don't think I quoted yeah. that properly, but that's the point. Well, well we're going to take a, that, sorry, John, before you come back, and I'm going to open up with you in the next segment, okay. if that's okay. Yeah. Um, thank you for your comments up till now, and we're going to take a break, and we're going to come right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We spend 70% of our week in the office. 
What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, welcome back again. And we're talking with our um Guest Scott Greenberg and uh, my co-host today is John Giannetta. I'm Jenny Fruma, and we've been talking about for-profit and non-profits. And sometimes it kind of sounds like a tongue twister um, if there are too many for-profits and non-profits in the same sentence. But I think we um, are so grateful to you, Scott, for making some very important points. And John, you were about to lead off with a comment or a question. Well, yeah, I was just and, gonna... and also, if you could share with the listeners. Um, and, and our guest, of course, about um, Heartland Family Services. Sure. Well, um, I guess I'll start there. Heartland is a um, family service, multi-service family service agency, uh, very similar to Alpert, except that we're non-sectarian, and uh, we serve about 45,000 people a year in about 18 different locations in seven communities in East Central Nebraska and Southwest Iowa. And um, probably different than Alpert is that we have some programs that are specifically focused on serving the elderly population, but um, we're not. We don't do as much of that programming as you do, Jenny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my question was really about, you know, we were talking about sometimes the rub that can occur uh, between nonprofit people who work in a nonprofit, people who work in a for-profit. Um, different sort of conceptual view about what the ultimate goal is, perhaps, maybe. Except that I sometimes think that it shouldn't be as big of a divide as sometimes some leaders might make it out to be. Because even though we're nonprofit, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be making profits. We just shouldn't, we just don't pay them out to ourselves or to, you know, shareholders. We invest them back in the programs. And I mean, it's great to have some programs just break even, some lose. So you got to have some that make a little bit so that you can even it all out at the end of the day. So it seems like we should be able to borrow a lot from the for-profit leaders playbook. And, um, and I don't know if that helps sometimes, Scott, and, and as you work with nonprofits to, to, as you're trying to, you know, sort of get them on board and, um, or at least develop a, a strong collaboration with them. You know, John, that is such a, uh, an important point. Uh, I mean, it really is uh, a, a critical element. I'll relate a story. I was president of a synagogue a long time ago. Um, but prior to being the president, I was on the board as the vice president of finance. And um, 
I was about to be selected to be the next president, and one of the congregants came to me and said, I don't want you to be president because all you care about is making money. And huh. I said, that was my role as vice president of finance, was to make enough money to make sure if the roof leaks, we can fix it, to replace the oven, to to have uh, Kiddush on, on Friday night, and to do all of the things that the synagogue does to run the, the, the school. That was my role as vice president of finance. My role as president would be entirely different, and I will bring a different focus to that. But your point is, unless a nonprofit understands the need that they themselves have to generate enough revenue, they have to run their business profitably in order to provide the services that they promise to deliver, you know, then they're kind of doomed uh, to failure. So, yes, uh, the not-for-profit executive and the for-profit executive should be there. That vision should be totally aligned. And the best not-for-profit executives, in my opinion, have see that, and they see it crystal clear. That's a very important point. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think non-profits, and I include, you know, state agencies, for example, or the public sector, I should say, to incorporate all of them, um, are hung by our own petard in some ways because we stretch and we stretch and then we stretch some more. Um, we aren't able to ever really think about building infrastructure or building organizational capacity and often start with zero balance budgeting. So given these two kinds of scenarios and this being the environment, going back to collaborations, how are you involved in some collaborations? And then hopefully, John, you can share some of your experiences too. Scott, tell us about the kinds of collaborations you do. Well, uh, you know, certainly with, uh, with your agency, we, we're involved in, in a number of collaborative efforts. Um, the biggest is, is Eldercare 360, which I don't know if you've spoken about on the show before, but... Um, what we do is um, work together with your clients, um, both on the, the same client, on a, to bring a, a, a continuum of care uh, that the agency by itself would not be able to provide, or not for non for for profit participants. And so, the ability for us to have this 360 vision allows us to refer in, uh, for all of us to work together to improve the outcome of the, the client, because the focus there is on client outcome. It's, it's on improving the quality of life and client outcome, and that is a, is a true collaborative effort. Um, in the four, in, uh, I, I'm on the advisory council of the Area Agency on Aging, and I, I do a number of different things there. Just this week, I was interviewed by a magazine for them to talk about something similar about the importance of because they've never thought about raising funds. That was totally state funded, but now they, they understand they need they need to raise funds too. So they wanted to talk about all the good that the agency does. So I was chosen to be the interview um, for uh, for the magazine. But 
the other thing that we were able to do is in order to help them offer more services, I've gathered uh, half a dozen uh, participants to do donate pro bono hours of care for homemaker companion care. There's a reason we can't do personal care, but homemaker companion care. Um, and we've gathered um, five so far uh, competitors of mine to work together to donate back to people in need for which state funding is no longer available. It's the perfect circle mm-hmm. of collaboration. Um, you know, I would say installed i'm going to be president of the florida state guardianship association our our statewide conferences next week the guardianship um, community we educate guardians uh, and hope to raise the standard of guardians and work with the judiciary to ensure um, so much about the guardian world well we could only do that at a conference if for-profit organizations participated in the conference in such a way, uh, buying tables, sponsoring events, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know how we could all do the things we do if we didn't have a, a collaboration that was built around, um, you know, mutual sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Some really important things to, to think about, and I'm hoping that there will be some questions from listeners in the next segment. I'm watching my email. Um, John, your thoughts and examples of collaborations or partnerships that you're working with as part of your strategy? Well, we we partner with the private sector a lot um, in lots of different ways. Like one, I was thinking about um, with our homeless services program, we, we we offer a lot of, we have several, eight different programs, some of them permanent supportive housing, some transitional housing. And, and generally our role is, you know, um, admitting uh, clients into the program who meet all the requirements of housing and urban development, which is quite onerous, and then um, helping them find safe, affordable, clean housing, and um, and then providing services for them. We use a housing first model, so they, we house them first, and then we make services available that they can choose from to help them be successful in their new housing, so that they can maintain it, and and then we can go away and we can go and start working with another family. And so in that in that particular program, we rely really heavily heavily on having a good relationship with for-profit, mostly, um, landowners uh, who apartment built, apartment uh, owners, real estate companies, what have you. It's a, it's a wide array. And um, obviously, to the extent that we understand that these people really need to make money, and they do that by having uh, tenants who take care of the properties and, and pay their rents on time, etc., then that's just, you know, we're more successful. And if, you know, and you have to be careful because if you don't pull that off, then pretty soon you have a hard time finding places for mm-hmm. these families you're trying to serve. Mm-hmm. And I can think of some that we have with, uh, for example, Vitas, which is a hospice. Again, I really love the unlikely suspects, if you will, that some of us get to partner with in the, in the private arena. Uh, Vitas gives us office space so that we can uh, be there on a weekly basis to help people who might need assistance with resources and need consultation around situations that they're dealing with. Um, We also work a lot with the hospitals. They'll have us come in and do training, um, 
in our particular community, almost 70% of all older adults are Jewish, which is really skewed demographics. And so they are not only in the hospitals and it's a pediatric ward uh, or direct medical service, they're working with older adults, um, 70% of them who could be Jewish. And of those, um, a significant amount could be Holocaust survivors. So we go in and we partner with them to provide training and we kind of believe that if they're better educated, our clients, if they land up there, are going to be better served. And I think that's kind of what I'm hearing as a theme, is it really is about the end game, about the outcome. And, you know, Jenny, I'll just add, because, uh, and John, and, and to your listeners, I, I just mentioned this to Jenny the other night. Another example of this is I'm in the private duty home health care business, and I supply uh, or hire caregivers to put in people's homes, um, mostly in people's homes, sometimes in, in facilities. Um, improving the quality of my uh, hire is very important. And I, in this community down here, a great number of our uh, caregivers are from the Haitian community. So I have just begun, just really is just getting off the ground, um, begun to reach out to the Haitian churches to build a collaborative effort with the churches to um, both educate caregivers to do job fairs on one hand, but to educate caregivers on the cultural differences that Jenny was just identifying, mm-hmm. primarily between the Jewish community. And I've asked Jenny to partner with me in that education process. And the end result is that the caregivers I put in the Holocaust survivors who I help Jenny take care of at times right. will be better. Right. It's and Scott, I'm going to hold you to uh, ask you to hold your next yep. thought after that comma. And we will be right back after this next commercial break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. 
Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, and welcome back again. We're talking about strategic partnerships, nonprofit and for-profit collaborations. And before we went to break, um, Scott Greenberg, who is our guest, I literally stopped you mid-sentence. <laughs> uh, and now you're supposed to remember what you were saying. <laughs> well, I, I was talking about the fact that, um, you know, we, you had mentioned and, and John had also mentioned um, you know how important this was to how it affects uh, the outcome um, that you're trying to achieve. A, a successful collaboration between profit and for-profit does really have a positive effect on uh, the outcome for patients and I would, uh, or clients, or service, whatever service you deliver. What I was what I was identifying was how you and I, Jenny, just had this conversation about a new thing that I'm thinking about doing, which is to reach out to the Haitian mm-hmm. churches right. um, to work with them to improve the understanding of um, the cultural differences uh, in the population that those caregivers serve and also how to help them explain to the population that they serve their cultural differences and how to build uh, or help improve on on the communication and Mm -hmm. quality of there. And when that comes back to me is I get a better quality employee, I then give a better quality of employee to the Holocaust survivor who's in your Holocaust program, and then I provide better quality of care, ergo you provide better quality of care, and that would be a collaboration beginning at the church level from a um, to a profit, for-profit company, mine, to a non-profit, yours, to a Holocaust survivor from Germany. It's it's miraculous when if you are of one mind of sole purpose how you can improve the lives of the caregiver obviously improve the life of this for-profit organization improve the services mm-hmm. that you provide and most importantly improve the quality of care it, it for the it seems like a natural win-win right. and and yet i do have a question that came in from james in minneapolis and he describes that he's with a family service organization um, that does not seem to be very open to exploring working with the private sector. They were and have been primarily state-funded, but things are starting to change. And his question for us is, what first step should he take to try? He doesn't talk about whether he's a middle manager, senior manager, <laughs> Um, but what first steps should he take 
to try and impact his organization to really think differently. Who wants to tackle that from James? I actually think the two of you would be the better to answer that from a start point of view. But, I mean, how do you choose your partners? Mm -hmm. You want to try that, John? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of depends on, you know, what it is you're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then... um, you really have to have somewhat of a relationship with with your partners before you just dive into collaboration. I mean, we we like to say in the United States that um, we're not as relationship oriented as other countries, and you can get down to business more quickly. And, and maybe that's true, but at some point, you still have to have those relationships. That's what really, in my opinion, and Scott, maybe your experience is different or yours, Jenny. But it seems like if you don't have the relationships, it it, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't last. And it sounds like what James is struggling with is relationship within his organization. It's how even to begin the dialogue of what could benefit their organization through these kinds of strategic partnerships. Yeah, and so maybe there would be, again, depending on what you want to do, looking at some, finding some um, sort of evidence-based practices or examples of good partnerships that are working and how they work to get people thinking about how it might be different uh, in James's organization maybe. Mm-hmm. which is family service organizations. Do you know many family service organizations, John, that do do partner, a lot of partnering and collaboration with the private sector? No, but I would guess through the Alliance for Children and Families, uh, you could probably find some good examples. Mm-hmm. I, I would just throw in the mix uh, for for the questioner, James. I, I would just throw the worst six words in the English language are we've always done it that way. Um, and, and, you know, and I do think, you know, the, you have to begin, um, you know, how do you solve a problem? You get the facts. And if there's, if, if there's a, and then way you decide, you take action and then you check results. If, if there is a problem internally, then there has to be, um, kind of an open dialogue which says, okay, let's identify what our problem is and and then begin to investigate what the opportunities for solving that problem are internally through the nonprofit uh, arena the way you have done it before or what opportunities are presented by collaborating with trusted partners and mm-hmm. you know relationship and John touched on that I think that you know mm-hmm. was great and and to really have a better sense of ideas. So if James could maybe send another email clarifying more about it, then we could be more specific in our response to him. Um, thank you, James, from Minneapolis. Um, you know, the one thing I keep kind of going back to is we talk about organizations, whether it's state-funded or public sector or for-profit or anything. I think it always, for me, comes back to mission and kind of philosophy of practice and the footprint that we as leaders want to leave behind uh, as we move our organizations through life stages and um, focused on, on specifically what we want to do strategically. And here we're talking about for and for-profit and non-profit uh, partnerships. So one of the things that I, I kind of want to change gears a little bit and ask about um, what kinds of things contribute to or potentially hinder a collaborative business model, if we could really just think about identifying what some of those issues are. 
Well, I, Jenny, I would think the the opposite of what you said is the real problem. If 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 the uh, participant from any side uh, comes at it from a singular selfish motive, um, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, you, you said what was important was mission centric, uh, partnering with people who don't uh, understand the mission and don't um, uh, feel like uh, participating in that mission uh, would, I think, be a disaster. I think uh, finding um, unreliable uh, partners, um, people who don't do what they say they're going to do, um, you know, if you can't trust them, then you can't partner with them. That, that is, a, a, you know, again, another recipe for disaster. Uh, I think, on the other hand, I think you have to have trust. You know, if you, you have to have trust in the people you've selected and, and, and uh, read your own tea leaves and, and go uh, appreciate your own sense of the person you're talking to until they, un, un, until they prove to you they were unworthy of your trust. And once they're, but once they've proven that, you've got to cut the cord really quickly, I think. Mm-hmm. So have either of you had partnerships where you think you have that level of trust and you're working towards something and something happens? I, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm in the midst of one of those now. But <laughs> Go ahead, John. So it's funny, um, huh? You know, I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but yeah. if I do, I'll certainly jump in there. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we've worked at something for a while and you um, seem to be with this partner on the same page and I really am a firm believer that you might have to start with a collaboration at a leader level, but very quickly you really need to then meet additional staff people or, you know, whether they're uh, technically leaders in formal leadership positions. But I even really like to meet those folks who are doing the work on the ground because I think that tells you a lot about an organization and how they feel about an organization and how they're experiencing that leader. And even when you do all of that and invest the time in uh, cross-training, mutual training, mutual understanding, a lot of exploration, um, it doesn't always work out the way we intend it to. You know, Jenny, you're so right. I know, you know, obviously you and I have have partnered together and everyone in my organization has gone for the cultural competency training regarding Holocaust caregiving. But um, the true mark of character is how people behave when no one is watching. And, um, you know, I think you have got to have a level of trust and confidence that the partners are always going to behave in your best interest, even when you're not watching. But I think the other part about a good collaboration, which I know is so true in your organization, Jenny, um, is that you can't just be known by the last thing that happened, what have you done for me lately? You said that before. When you have true collaboration and you have uh, true um, purpose, uh, mission-centric purpose, um, what you are able to do is to continually work towards improvement, raising the bar. Um, you can, address, you can uh, identify areas that maybe are not working so well, 
um, and that you can work together to improve them. So you are neither all good nor all bad, but you're always moving forward. That is an important component part of collaboration, that the trust isn't just trust in terms of they're not going to do anything wrong. The trust is if I do something wrong, it isn't the end of my relationship. Um, those, that's um, a really important component part of, of the trust equation, I think, too. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. It's really knowing that you can call someone up and go, wait, I just need to understand what you were thinking here. Right. Because this, what are you doing? Right. Um, yeah. Being able to have that kind of a relationship with someone, and that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. Right. I, I think, too, you kind of get to the point where um, you, you start asking yourself questions about, well, here are options if we do this one. You're not, you're not only thinking about well, what's the impact on me, but what's the impact on, on our partner. And if it's not going to be a good impact, then you're just as um, against doing that as they would be. You know, so you sort of share a, a dual perspective. Um, and I think that, that, that's an indication that trust is being built, but it's also a way you build trust. Mm-hmm. We're at the end of the segment again. When we come back, I really would like for us to talk a little bit about risk as it relates to partnerships, these kinds of partnerships. And we're not talking about formal contracts. Um, We're talking about really focused on the end game and wanting to work together to accomplish that. So we'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello and welcome back to the last segment for today. Um, I'm Jenny Frumer and my co-host today is John Janetta and we are talking with Scott Greenberg who is the President and CEO of Comfort Care Senior Services and we've been having quite the dialogue around issues and strategic partnerships, non-profit and for-profit collaborations. And John, you alluded to this just before the end of the segment and before I ask you to continue with your thought, I also want to make sure that we leave some time for Scott to tell us who comes to mind in his opinion as to the most effective leader in history or of our time and why. And so before we get to that, John, um, you were talking about uh, some of the issues related to uh, partnerships or collaborations when they really don't work a little bit ago. And I wonder if we could address some of the risk factors if we uh, really are to look out for one another, being on the kind of positive side of the scale. What happens when it doesn't work out and what can that do to the partnership in terms of risk? Well, I, I think one of the, the risks is it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about how important it is to have a good uh, relationships and build trust. Um, usually, in my experience, you have um, a couple of people who are really at the center of that. And so one of the risks is what happens if that equation changes and those people in those key roles leave or move into something else? Will that will the trusting relationship continue? Um, and so, uh, so that's a risk I think that has to be managed. And you addressed it earlier, Jenny, by saying you've got to get people involved at all levels of the agency. But sometimes, too, even though I know we're talking about contracts, but sometimes it's helpful, too, to formalize some aspects of these partnerships depending on how elaborate they are and involved. So you might have like a memorandum of understanding even though there aren't dollars being transferred or transacted? Yeah, or a collaborative agreement, what we usually call it here, and um, where it really kind of spells out who's going to do what. That way if somebody um, is suddenly no longer part of this equation or they've moved on or for whatever reason, you have something to go back to to kind of guide that relationship as you rebuild those relation, uh, the, the partnership and those those trusting relationships. Mm-hmm. And and Scott, thank you for that, John. And and Scott, any thoughts about like if someone's reputation gets dinged, what that means to this type of a collaborative? Yeah, and you know, I I think a lot about this from different perspectives. Obviously, from a for-profit head. Um, I think about it from the point of view of you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Um, and so you can only fail if you don't get out of the starting gate. Um, everything worth achieving comes with risk. And at times, you will fail. And that failure in the collaborative effort in a nonprofit may be that it doesn't work out the way you want it to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of am accustomed to that kind of risk. Um, you know, my whole life. And so what What I try to do is not put myself in a position of disappointing my partner and, um, you know, um, kind of counting on the fact that they won't disappoint me. And, I, you know, for the most part, you know, I win a whole lot more than I lose in, in that philosophy. So I don't, I guess I don't really worry about that 
very much, mm-hmm. and I don't spend an awful lot of time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I really thank you very much for um, sharing all of your insights, and of course, it's like me talking to an old friend here. Um, and John, I'm so thrilled that you were able to co-host with me today. Thank you. You bet. And um, now, Scott, you really are on the hot seat because we want to know who comes to mind when you think of the most effective leader in history or of our time, and we want to know why. Yeah, and I knew you were going to ask, and so I have been struggling with that because I, 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 I think it's for me it's the most effective leaders, and it comes at it from a from a variety of of, of perspectives. Um, you know, I've been fortunate in my life to have met some really kind of remarkable uh, individuals. I remember one situation in particular where I happened to have met um, Bob Dole. And, um, you know, I'll admit to not being a Republican. I'm, I'm a left-of-center um, uh, agnostic when it comes to politics. But when I met Bob Dole, there was an aura about him of greatness that was really unmistakable, and I, I remember that. And he's done so much for veterans in our country, and he was such a servant, and he gave so much. Um, you know, I think of John McCain. Similarly, you can't approach this question without looking at someone like Barack Obama and say, regardless of whether you approve of his politics and the job that he's done, he has changed the vision of this world, and on the day that he was elected, you had to be proud to be an American. And I would say the same about George Bush, who I'm not a fan of. On 9-12, you know, you were proud that he was your president, and you stood behind him. Um, from the business arena, I look at, at people like like Jack Welsh, who I think changed the world, the whole Six Sigma problem uh, 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 process. And I, and I look at Warren Buffett, who has taught me great things. Now, I, I think in terms of the of the the people who have changed the world, I can tell you who changed the world for me. One of my most important mentors in my life was a man named Dennis Connors. Nobody would know him, and nobody really should know him, but he changed my life. In um, what ways? Um, he uh, taught me, uh, for example, that everything you ever needed to know about business you learned in kindergarten, uh, which comes under the heading of uh, treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, he he gave me a, a balance about um, how I um, do things um, that, honestly, I could never have achieved without his guidance. Um, he um, he was really, and still is, a good friend and a, and a remarkable guy. And then, so I think about mentors in that, and then I go back to, and I think, Jenny, I may have just told you this story. There was a, a, a fellow back, I met my wife, we're married 43 years, I met her at the Samuel Field YMHA in Douglaston, Queens, and there was, uh, the head of the social worker program was a fellow named George Singfeld, and he was uh, an anomaly of his time, master of social work, six foot four, African American at a Jewish agency running a, a program for retarded kids, and he put his arm around me once and he said, Scott, people treat you the way you let them treat you. And those are the kinds of moments that change my life. So on the grander scale, some of the politicians, some of the business leaders, but I think the real people who affect your lives can, can be your parents, but it can be people you meet, mentors, the, the blessings of um, the people you meet along the way who impact your life in ways that you just 
can't thank them enough for. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to be a Pollyanna about it, but I, I, I really feel strongly about that. And I know because of those mentors, I try, I'm not sure if I succeed, but I try to mentor as many people as I can. And uh, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you being so committed to a leader. Um, I'm being sarcastic because you uh, clearly didn't want to commit to a leader. <laughs> Um, but I appreciate you talking about um, people that quote you know kind of different levels that have really impacted your life, and I also find it really interesting when I ask this question of people that they can remember names of people who have touched their lives individually from forty and fifty years back. Uh, yeah, I, you know I I think when people have that kind of profound impact. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. how could you not? <laughs> right. Well, we appreciate you sharing that um, information with us, Scott, and I really want to thank you a lot for being a guest on our show, Leadership Matters, uh, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions, and John, thanks a lot for co-hosting with me yes, today. Th- thank you, Jenny, and thanks, Scott, for being on the show. I-, I hope maybe we can have you on again. I'd like to continue our conversation and maybe talk about uh, what are some future opportunities for profit nonprofit partnering, especially as it relates to how we take care of our rapidly growing elderly population? I'd love to anytime. It's it's great to be with both of you, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thanks a lot, and join us next week as we inform leaders and inspire solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.